Hi, this is Josh, the host and creator of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Ahead, you're going to hear a variety of voices talking about the different ways and areas enjoyment shows up in our lives. Joy is a powerful energy, and I was curious what kinds of conversations could come from examining it. For the first season, I thought it would be cool to hear men talking about their joys, and I could think of no more powerful place of enjoyment than fatherhood. I hope you enjoy listening, and now here is Enjoyment, the podcast. Hey, dude. Hey. Thanks for coming on. I was thinking how I should start this out, and I was thinking I would tell you a story from my day to kind of set the mood. This is my day yesterday. I go and I see a client. Um, I leave the house 9, 9.30, and I, I come home at noon. And Tobias is like psyched, greets me at the door, and he, you know, you're ancient. And I'm like, what i'm 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 ancient he's like yeah i just feel like you've been gone so long you know it's been so long since i've seen you and i just (laughs) yeah right like i love like it's so nice to have this person in my life that how do you not delight in that in that greeting coming home in the way he's communicating to me it's just like so fun to have this person that just brings this and like coming back from work, how better to enter my house, you know? And then he's just like, can we play? He's just like so psyched to play with his dad. Yeah. I said to my therapist later in the day, I was like, how do I have a bad day when like <laughs> yeah, with, with that, right? Like my day is perfect. Hour I hung out with him and we played and that greeting it just warms you. That's my story to set the mood of like, that's what I want to talk to you about those moments. I'm sure we have things in common. I'm sure we have different things touch our hearts differently, but it's like fatherhood presents this amazing warmth, love, delight, joy, whatever word you want to use. It just seems like it presents it all the time to me. I guess that's like where I'll start with you is are you finding the same thing? Is it just lighting your heart up? Is it surprising you? Is it where where is your joy in this experience? And you have two of them, so I'm I'm sure you have, you know. Yeah, right. So, uh, Josh, let me piggyback first on the greetings coming in the door from my son, who's going to be five in May. I'm I'm usually home in the late afternoon. I do the cooking for dinner. He and his mom and sister pull in the garage. He opens the garage door to the house, and then he starts walking up the stairs and says, Dad, what you make? <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, oh, well, I've made this great dinner, including this, this, and this. You're going to love it. I don't like that. <laughs> four, four, four out of the five weekday nights. I don't like that. And... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, sometimes I get annoyed by it, but also I'm like, the reframe is that, okay, I'm, I'm providing nourishment and he trusts, you know, select some things that he's going to like, and he has a say in it and he feels like he can bargain with me and we can negotiate, we can come up with something together, which 
demonstrates a lot of implicit or innate trust, you know, that he and I have developed over time. And it's, it's interesting to kind of think about these offhand comments, but also the depth of them and what they re- actually mean. I, I, I really do kind of get a kick out of it because I expect it now. And so I, I, I'm like, he's keeping me on my toes. I gotta, I gotta come <laughs> with it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so we can kind of play back and forth in a way that I haven't been able to do until he's this age and he has this vocabulary and this type of confidence and kind of functionality and all that stuff. And then the, the little girl who's going to be two, she comes up the stairs kind of struggling at times, schlepping backpacks and stuff, but wanting to do it all by herself. She just runs over like arms open and gives me a big hug. It's an interesting kind of combo with Rowan's greeting and Devin's greeting and, uh, you know, how that is every day for me. For you, is it is it the relational aspect? Is it the surprise aspect? Is it, you know, these beings keeping you on your toes? Like what? Yeah, it's just it's just these outlandish acts or behaviors that I'm like, my partner, Brianne, she won't do these things. And so... And my, you know, I'm a therapist and my, my patients won't say these things. So I have very little access to these like off the cuff, unabashed comments that just kind of like sometimes leave me, often leave me scratching my head. Oh, I don't really know how to respond to that. (laughs) You came, you came with some out of the box thinking on that. Okay. Um, But you know, like it's interesting, you know, one of my favorite authors, Bell Hooks, she really covets the knowledge and skills that young people bring and says that they are the best theorists that we have because they are just unadulterated. They come with a fresh set of eyes and senses and they can look at how things work in society from a totally different angle. And so it's like, yeah, it's my reaction to that that really helps me expand kind of my own being and yeah, keeps me on my toes. But also it's like, it's all within this kind of holding environment that I've tried to set up that allows them to say things that are maybe uncouth or can't be said in polite company, so to speak, but they, they just go in and they don't know better. And then we can kind of talk about it. And it's, it's just a learning opportunity for all of us. It's, they're always picking new things up that I haven't looked at in quite a long time. And so I really, before fatherhood, I, I thought, I know love. I know. I, I, I've been in love before, but it's, uh, it's, it's totally different when you have kids. This is the holiday season, of course, so I'm thinking a lot about family, about who I get to be with and who I don't get to be with, who've, who've passed on. And, you know, I thought about my mom who, let's see, 2012 passed away of cancer. And I knew my dad would be, you know, they were, they were, they were together for 35 years. He loved her very much, and they were life partners. But the the bond between uh, a child and the mom, or child and the dad, I think is just there's nothing like it. You can be married with someone and and or be with someone in a romantic relationship for so long, but it doesn't come close. I think, and it made me think then now that I'm a, a parent that wow, this is okay. So this is kind of what this is all about. This is the depth and the, the intricacies of this relationship that holds so much kind of weight and responsibility and power. That makes me feel really, really good that my son entrusts me implicitly, you know, like 
when we're wrestling or we like to dance, some of my kind of favorite things that bring me joy or make me come alive as a dad is, you know, just dancing. I mean, it's fun as hell. I love dancing. I love music. It's something that we can instantly bond over in this like language that's almost nonverbal and it's just movement in the living room. Rowan has gotten really into kind of <laughs> break dancing, quote unquote. <laughs> and I'm all about it. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I get down the floor. I'm creating like a cipher for him and he's soaking it up. He's like, he's, he's, he's feeding off of my energy. I'm feeding off of his energy. And then Devin comes and she like wants to be in my arms and dance with me, like me holding her. And then I can, you know, of course, dip and like drop her and pick her up at the last minute. And she loves, she just giggles. It's those type of things that, you know, really kind of bring me a, a lot of life as a dad where I may be as tired as anyone after not sleeping very well the night before because this kid or that kid was sick or we just got thrown up on or whatever it is, you know, but <laughs> this is the redemption, right? Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of threads for me to, to pull from. What strikes me is these kids reminding us to play and reminding us to like be in the unknown. Just how amazing to be reminded to go back to those places. Yes. I mean, Rowan is so observant, as, as are most children, and he will just notice things in his environment that just pass me by, right? And he'll ask questions all the time about what he notices, and I try and make time to explain and be curious and ask more questions. And, you know, sometimes you're given activity, it doesn't allow for a complete attention, but I try. And then when I'm able to make space for him, it typically always leads to an, an amazing experience. I rediscover the unknown with him in a way that satisfies me and claim to be a lifelong learner. But often I, as we all do, right, we just kind of <laughs> fall back on our worlds and just kind of take things for granted and do things just stereotypic out, out of just our muscle memory and things. But he, he totally like will throw some wrenches into that and say, Hey, no, this, we're, we're going to go do this. And I'm like, Oh, okay, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> uh, okay, like, we'll see how this goes. And it, it, it's really, it's an exciting, it's an exciting place to be. And I love, you remind me of uh, just a random story keeps going through my head of also going into the land of, like, yes, I help Tobias, like, make sense of things. And he brings me new perspectives and may, helps me make sense of things. But I also love the land of make-believe. And what do I mean by that? So, like, Tobias lost his first tooth a couple months ago. And we were walking to school talking about the tooth fairy. And before I knew it, we were in this conversation of the tooth fairy basically is buying the teeth from the children and then selling them to animals that need teeth. So Tobias <laughs> yeah. had the tooth fairy selling the teeth to sharks and Tyrannosaurus rexes because they obviously need a lot of teeth. So that's, that was the economics, like why the tooth fairy would leave the kid money, like because <laughs> on the back end, the tooth fairies, you know, giving the kid a dollar and then selling it for 10 bucks to the shark, you yeah. know? The, and, yeah, the middleman, middle person, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it was like, yeah, like to me, I was like, that is probably the best 
story of the tooth fairy. That is my new truth about the tooth fairy because it's so awesome. Um, oh yeah, I, I mean, like you know, my my dad who who moved to Colorado Springs last March has you know really become a fixture in in the kids' lives, and he he comes over for kind of Sunday night dinners and stuff, and. You know, Rowan's been really into PJ Masks and, and uh, you know, everything is about a PJ Masks plot. And they're like only like 20 seconds long and then he's on to the next plot. But he's 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 trying to like wrap every, anyone in who's going to be a character. And I was doing this and dad was watching. And then, you know, Rowan goes over to grandpa and says, OK, this is who you are right now. And, <laughs> and the next thing I know, my dad is like, uh, like getting up and like kind of hustling down the hallway to uh play out this this fantasy for uh for rowan and i'm like rowan you know that like he he would never get up for anyone like he's getting up for you like <laughs> you got you got serious pull right now um to make this happen you know and know. and so even grandparents get a kick out of the the make-believe and just like going with it right mm-hmm. so uh let me ask you like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and you might have already mentioned the moments, dancing, and are there moments that you've had that you feel like, oh, right, to my dying day, I'm going to remember this, you know, and I'm curious what the this is for you. Well, the first one that kind of, that I came up with is that when I worked at Indiana University, the health center was not far from the on-campus daycare where Rowan was during the day. And Brianne was nursing Rowan at the time and would spend many of her lunch hours walking over. She worked at IU too. So we, we were both in really close proximity to the daycare, which was so sweet. And she would walk over and breastfeed Rowan. And then two of the five days, I would go over for bottle service, I called it. You know, I would take my shoes off and go into the midst of these like six to eight infants sit cross-legged and hold a bottle to Rowan for a while. It was such a great break from my day of like dealing with, you know, all my patients drama and mess that I could just come and be with these little ones and they just be curious. They'd be tugging on me and I, and Rowan's just looking up and like just getting all his needs met in one foul swoop. And it was, you know, those are the kind of things that I'm really going to hold on to. And then we first moved to Colorado. I didn't have a job and well, I did. It was it was daddy daycare. And I remember living in my parents-in-law's basement and putting Rowan in the stroller to walk around the subdivision every day. It was about a mile around. So I would hit that several times. And it was just fun, like sweating and getting a workout and just bonding with him in this like active way. And then, of course, nap times, right? When I remember like just struggling to get Rowan to sleep when we first started out. And we were so anxious that we weren't doing any of the co-sleeping, which we do now with Devin from day one and have been doing for (laughs) 365. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we were trying to get him, like we get him up out of the the crib and we go over to this comfortable glider chair and has just experienced so many moments of tired child and tired parent. And I just hold on to those memories of kind of, rocking my children to sleep for naps or at night, you know, just trying to realize that in a blink of an eye, we're not going to be doing this anymore. Trying to just soak up those moments and give in to my own sleepiness and pass out with him or with her. And knowing that these moments of like me holding my child as they sleep 
uh, are going to be gone in the blink of an eye. And those are the things that I'm trying to hold on to uh, as long as I can. Yeah, and it sounds part of your heart has lied in being able to be the nurturer is my sense of the memories you offered up right now to me is just really feeling blessed that you got to be a nurturer role. Yes. For any realized man in 2019 or 2020, that's sometimes hard to come by, right? And we have all these messages. It's getting better, but still all these messages about that's that's female-oriented work or a woman's job or things like that. And yeah, I mean, Brianne, I really have tried to flip the script and, and really try and do as much stuff equally as we can. I mean, I can't breastfeed, unfortunately, but like I can try and get as close as I can to that closeness and that bonding that happens just automatically, right? Getting over my own narcissism of like, I can't replace mom. I can get really close. Like I can really try and, and be nurturing and just do it in a different way, have a different energy about it that can be a good model for both Rowan as a boy and then Devin as a girl growing up and seeing how men can do this. You know, we have the capacity to do this. So Rowan can say, okay, I have the capacity to do this. And I see it. We were just at uh, his holiday party and the kids are in a circle, all the parents with their (laughs) iPhones out, taking video of like these songs. And then everyone's divvying up the hot chocolate and we got cookies going around. And Rowan is like, jumping up to the teacher and like getting all the cookies and passing it out before he sits down and has his own cookie. Brianna were just like, yeah, well, Rowan just does that. Like he's just, he's always trying to kind of give and be helpful and be kind of involved. I hope that continues. And I, I do think though that if I can continue to practice these nurturing roles and doing these things that he and I and Devin and I can have like solely as our own time where Brienne has her moments and kind of I have our moments and then we can have our, our family moments. Rowan loves the fact that I take him to swim lessons every Monday. That's kind of our thing, you know, and he feels special that the whole thing is just dad and Rowan time. And it's fun to watch him try new things and practicing perseverance and resilience when he can't do what he, he thinks he, he can do or, or even like, he thinks he can't do something and then he has a breakthrough and he can do it. And I just have access to those moments that Brianne does every once in a while, but this is kind of my, my thing with him. It's been really cool. Now Devin's getting into toddler land and toddler world where she's going to be doing all kinds of stuff, wanting to try new things and get up and do things on her own. And yeah, I just, I I don't quite know what that's going to look like, but I'm trying to embrace, again, the unknown of she's going to be requiring me to do things that I never thought I would be doing. And that's that's going to be good for the two of us. I have a question here, but I'll share the memories that I think I'll always hold on to. And God, it must have been like a year ago, maybe, but we had just come off a vacation with my mom and, and Tobias and my mom are really, really close We just got back and Tobias was, um, I don't want to sleep by myself. You know, I'm scared to sleep by myself, you know, and, and I was like, dude, you've been sleeping on your own forever. You know, like what's where, you know, you know how to do this. And he just was staying there. And then suddenly it like dawned on me, oh, you're not actually scared. You're sad. And I was like, hey, buddy, 
are you just sad that we're not with Bubby anymore? And he just started bawling. And he just crawled into my lap and I just held him for 30 minutes while he cried. And as I was sitting there and like still gives me goosebumps, like remembering it. But like I sat there and I thought about my father, how much I would have loved to cry in his arms, right? And how much I'm sure my father would have loved to have cried in his father's arms and how blessed we are that like the environment has now shifted and said like we could do these things because I don't think they didn't want to do these things. I think they just were trapped by their culture, their time in life, you know, that really pushed this message. Some of my favorite moments you're speaking to are like when I get to be the nurturer and my heart, it's great for the kid, (laughs) but boy, it is like amazing for me. Like I've, it's so healing to my heart. And so a part of who I think we all are as human beings, but particularly again, for the cage of masculinity or the boundaries of masculinity, being able to have these moments are some of my favorites and it's incredible thank you, Tobias, for gifting me <laughs> with with this opportunity. Yeah, I get it. We were in California this summer, and when we got back, Rowan didn't want to go back to his room, and it's now December 24th, and he's still in our room, and, and <laughs> Devin's in our room. I mean, it's like an opium den, like with all the comforters and everything down on the floor in our in our master bedroom. <laughs> and, and Rowan was like, you know, sleeping in different variations of sleeping on the floor in his bed next to our bed or up in our bed. And there are these moments where I'm sleeping next to him or we're trying, we're just starting to fall asleep and he like will have his hand kind of skim the, the surface of the sheet under the pillow looking for my hand. And then he just grabs my hand and like holds my hand. Oh, <laughs> how cool is that? Right. Right. And then I'm thinking like, yeah, like you, like, I wish I could have done that with my dad, you know, Mm -hmm. like how much of a better relationship would he and I have had if we would have those foundations set Mm -hmm. moments to like build on, right? It's a, it's a healing moment, like you said, for everyone involved Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, it wouldn't have happened otherwise theoretically and had done a lot of work, but like, no, 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 no. The the lessons had to come this way. Mm -hmm. There, There was no really other way that they could possibly come but this, you know, yeah, you know, it just, it transcends all kinds of things. It, it, it doubles down on all these theories that I've incorporated into my clinical practice when I'm sitting there in no uncertain terms, reparenting for my patients who had massive trauma or neglect. This is what the theory looks like in practice. This is, this is it. This is like, this is what all these, these people are talking about. It's not rocket science, really. It's just like being consistent, being able to say you're sorry, being reliable. For whatever reason, so many of us, men, boys, male-identified people, went without for so long. Yeah, so it's, it's been really cool to kind of look through the lens of masculinity and nurturing and trying to figure out, okay, how can I open myself up to these, like my, my son's attempts and need for 
just making physical contact with his dad to go to sleep or the rubbing of the back that we do now and when he needs to go to sleep for his naps and like that's just kind of like his thing and he he just really needs that and that's fine and he can ask for it and we he'll get it <laughs> and he'll keep and because he gets it he'll keep asking for it and continue to be comforted so it's a cool cycle that gets established and that you can continue to do if you're ready and willing to do it and even not being ready and willing like i just think it's so cool that at least there's this thing that comes in you know this thing this person this being that comes into our lives that is like this is what i want this is what i want <laughs> you know give, give, yeah it's like an emotional yeah factor. you know <laughs> to, to, totally <laughs> like <laughs> I've been watching the 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 Mandalorian. You know, it's like Bubba Fett's lasso that he just like shoots out of his his arm, and then it, yeah. But Rowan and Devin and Tobias do that emotionally mm-hmm. to us. You know, they just wrangle us <laughs> whether we're ready or no, not. Totally, totally. And it's like, okay, dude, yeah. okay. I, you know, I I'm game. I'll try. You know, and I'll I'll yeah. work hard to open my heart up in ways that it got hurt or got damaged or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. This kind of leads me into your answer may be exactly what we're talking about, but what has like surprised, pleasantly surprised you about fatherhood? I mean, a little background, I guess sometimes I've lacked self-regard and confidence in my life, but still tried to kind of front and and go through the motions, fake it till I make it. But I was under extreme duress because I didn't just have belief in myself to do whatever I was being asked to do or what I had a calling to do. But when it comes to parenting, you just kind of have to embrace the moment. And so like just handling your business, whatever that looks like and being surprised that you can do that. And then how confidence builds when you're able to like, you know, in the middle of the night, clean up puke and, or, or, or wipe your kid's butt all the time. And like, (laughs) Think nothing of it, right? right? And just like, or even, you know, Brianne leaving for several days at a time and me just saying, okay, like the buck stops with me. Like there's no other plan B. The parent is gone. They're across the country. I'm, (laughs) (laughs) oh shit. Like, you know, (laughs) and it's, you know, it gets better with child number two and everything. And kind of like we worked out some of the kinks, but still it's okay. I am having to take total control over this little human, you know, and like, <laughs> and uh, who put this guy yeah, in charge? Yeah. Like, I'm looking around like, who, who can I blame? Who put this guy? <laughs> it, it's like a supervisor I used to have who would say, you know, when he gets stumped with someone and he's like talking to his patient, you, you know, you should really talk to someone about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is rough. I don't get like, what are you doing talking to me about this, you know? But there's so many moments I could, I could probably answer that question. Has it changed your relationship to pseudo-confidence or whatever way you want to, like, has it flipped yeah. the script for you and, and, and like, what what way? Yeah. If you can do this, <laughs> there, there, there's little that you can't handle, you know, mm-hmm. kind of that kind of thing. Dude, you've already hit the apex. You've climbed that mountain, but now this is – you can you you can just call upon all those moments you've lived through and done and then and I still you know I still have flare ups of anxiety and like distrust or mistrust in my own abilities but they get calmed down and they get tamped down I think and and again like 
I go back. I mean, it's hard to kind of differentiate and like separate my my work life from my home life because there <laughs> there's so many transferable skills and moments and thoughts. But like, you're gonna screw up as a therapist, and it's in those moments that you can say, "Hey, remember that thing that I said last week? Yeah, I've been thinking about that, and I'm kind of wondering how that was for you because I I just felt it didn't really sit well with me." It was kind of awkward, or I kind of I didn't think as much as I wanted to, or I was coming from this place that I didn't know I was even coming from until I thought about it. You can kind of realize the the healing of that, and just transfer that to working with your your kids, and and then vice versa, right? And mm-hmm. just being able to say, okay, I'm sorry, I made you feel this way, and that wasn't my intention, but I know that I impacted you in that way. This is coming from a, a household where I never heard apologies from my dad. It's a loss, right? Because it's, of course, you think that you were the issue, <laughs> that you internalized uh, the problem. When it, no, it wasn't. It was not your blame to take. But we love our, our parents and we're willing to save face and help them get through whatever they have to do, even though that's not our battle and we do it unconsciously. So if you can do that and if I can do that, you know, when I screw up where I've mishandled situations and then my kid and my child can, they can apologize because they know that it's okay and it's going to make things feel better and it's going to make the other person feel better and they're going to be able to be closer. Giving myself new opportunities to kind of experience that when I hadn't or having, I grew up as an only child. I didn't, I didn't know what sibling life was and my, my wife had three siblings and she, so she knew it on, but I, I had no idea. Now I have two kids and I'm able to see this bond, which is wild. It is so close and so like profound that, yeah, it's just kind of otherworldly to me in a way. And I just kind of sit back and I'm like, okay. So when Rowan's crying and his two-year-old sister comes up and pats him and hugs him to try and comfort him, and it works in a way that sometimes mommy and daddy just can't do, it makes things so much better. It's like, oh, wow, okay. Oh, so that's what I was kind of <laughs> missing out on, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and I have friends who are like brothers to me and sisters to me, but it's just just not the same. That's been really cool for me to see and to, to experience as a almost like a participant observer. Like I'm like an anthropologist in this ethnography. Whoa, I'm just taking these mental notes about what I'm watching right now. And this is not something that I'm used to seeing. And Brianna, I will like in some of those moments where she's around and we just look at each other like and smile, this is it. This is the good stuff. You can kind of like make eye contact, sideward glance and just like, wow, like that was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then we're on and then we're on to the next thing, right? But it's like trying to pause in those moments and say, like, this is a bond that is unrivaled that will last a lifetime. Kind of like a mother-daughter, mother-son, father-son, father-daughter bond that is just unparalleled that can't be manufactured or replicated in exactly the same way. Dude, so beautiful. And and I appreciate you sharing all those lessons and learnings. And I was sort of chuckling to myself because I was like, here, I know you have a PhD. So you've like done some schooling, but your kids have schooled you. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, damn, I think he's going to be. You have learned some shit, you know? Like, and I feel like PhD's got nothing on the lessons that your kids have taught you, you know? It's beautiful. And that is, that's the gift, right? That's the amazing 
the way it should be too, right? Yeah. 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 And, and what a joy. I mean, I think for me, one of the like great surprises is, yeah, I'm here to like nurture and teach Tobias, but dude has, he is my teacher. I am so much the student. Real talk. Yeah. That dude's the teacher. I'm the yeah. student yeah. and I'm just learning, learning, learning. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know, like it, 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 what we've been kind of screwing around and thinking about is how it changes my relationship, our relationship to masculinity. And it's provided lessons that I could never have found in a textbook or on a training video or whatever. It's just like I had to live it. A new schooling. I'm kind of wondering what the next class will be or the next semester or the next grade as they also mature and grow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to present with all kinds of new things and new challenges. I don't know how that's going to be when my kid may be doing something quote unquote girly on the playground and the boys make fun of him and he's crushed, right? Like mm-hmm. how do you, those are the, the moments that really scare the shit out of me because we found ways to do it, but we didn't come out unscathed. Some days I didn't want to go play rough and tumble or go play football. I wanted to play, you know, Barbies for whatever reason. I, I felt like I couldn't do that. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but I want Rowan to have access to all of that. I know that the sanctioning and the, and the policing of gender is what it is and it's getting better, but there'll still be those, those moments where it's like, okay, here's, here's that again. Oh, we still got to deal with this shit, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I feel prepared to, to handle that, but then it's almost like you're, it's a vicarious trauma too because you have to relive your own shit, kind of process your own shit and do it in a boundary way where you're not you know, over-identifying with your kid's struggle and then projecting your shit onto them when it may not be that, like that, it may be a little bit different and you got to, you know, wade through those waters. There's definitely going to be some threads that bind us together in that way. And as much as I, you know, my drives and, and when I have some alone time walking around or walking the dog around the neighborhood, I try and think about like <laughs> anticipating these things. Like what am I, <laughs> what's my line going to be, you know, like, <laughs> and at, at some level it's like nothing can prepare you for that. And it's going to be good for them to see like how, emotive you're going to become or how expressive it might be for you to talk about these things because they'll realize the gravity of that for you and be able to kind of help you with that too in a, in a way your son is a little older and is is now on the playground and in grade school and dealing with some of that stuff have you found yourself having those those talks yet you know i would say not in not directly but of course I see it, right? The genders have already started. The boys are kind of playing with the boys. The girls are playing with the girls. Yep, self-segregation. Um, self-segregation, right? It's not, and and there's intermingling and there's not, I think for us, it's been more the combo of like introverted versus extroverted versus the gender conversation because Tobias basically isn't, interested in playing with anyone <laughs> so it's not that he's having a problem of like should i go over there you know and or should i go over here or should i try to play this with these people or this with those people it's more he's like eh, i'm just gonna like chill out on my own because there's a lot of like 
too much kid energy going on. Yeah. Um, I've had to really check myself that that was unhealthy and really, um, I don't know if this answers your question, but I, I had to really watch him and hopefully I'm assessing correctly, but like, I don't think he has a problem with it. So, right. so there's not a problem with it. He likes sitting by himself. He likes walking around by himself. I've tried to really, I mean, we're sort of speaking about like I'm extroverted. I was always about, so uh, like I've tried to just really celebrate that and, and honor that. And it's not a problem until it's a problem. Right. Right. Yep. And Kirsten's really great about this. You know, I love like Tobias since he was like five knew the word misogyny. Right. And he would, <laughs> he was good. Like we'd read a book and he'd be like, that was misogyny. And we'd be like, yeah, right, Tobes. That was totally misogyny. Like, there's no reason, like, the woman can't do what the guy wants to do and vice versa. There's no reason the guy can't do, you know, what the woman does. Sure, um, sure. And- that's, that's so great. That's so great. But at, at this point, my son is like, that's not very nice. <laughs> yeah. That's his equivalent, you know? If he sees something that's yeah. unjust. Um, yeah. And then he looks to me or mom and says, Right, Dad. Right, Mom. That wasn't very nice. And we're like, yeah. And then, <laughs> but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta start breaking him off with some misogyny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I give Kirsten gets all the credit on that one. She was like, "This boy is gonna understand yes. this word yes. and understand it early." <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I want to flip the energy just for. Uh, I appreciate going here and the questions and the future, but I want to actually flip reflective to the past and and ask you like what are you proud of as a father having looked at what you have done what are you proud of um i know i threw you 180 because we were talking about what what we might not be good at but now i'm asking you what we need to be on (laughs) so 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 here here, here's kind of something i mean it's 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 both a macro and, and micro level kind of accomplishment but I met Brianne in San Francisco and in the Bay Area, which is where you live. And it's, it's really, of course, a hotbed and mecca for all things, everything progressive. Not without its shit and underbelly, but I really was able to, during my six years there, really have a footing when it came to like, okay, this is kind of the person I can be. I didn't really know that growing up in the Midwest or being out here in the East Coast, but in, in San Francisco, it's like, yeah, you can you can do that. And there's a place for you. And there's a place for everyone in certain ways. But then we moved to Indiana and now we're in Colorado Springs, which is a very conservative place, just extra in, in everything conservative. So it's been really interesting to try and figure out how Brianna and I nourish and cultivate our kind of Bay Area foundation and San Francisco mindset while being in this very, very evangelical, military-based community where the values are just a lot different. And so I think one of the accomplishments that Brianne and I can celebrate is that we've been able to kind of, even in the midst of all this like outside noise, be able to cut through that and mitigate that through just our parenting, the, the trips we take, the people that come to visit, the tribe that we're kind of developing here in, in Colorado Springs slowly with kind of like-minded or similarly minded individuals. It's a hard fucking work to do that. That takes a lot of, it's like Kirsten, you know, 
introducing the word misogyny. That's a conversation. That, and at the end of the night, when you're dead tired, that takes some doing when you're reading a story for bed. It's all those moments, yeah, okay, fight of all, we're really kind of doing this and we're making very conscious and intentional decisions about how we want our kids to be uh, raised, what we want them to be exposed to, what we don't, and and just kind of taking heart that we're going to screw up. We're not going to have them have access, but like for the most part, we're doing a really good job. And then even with our in-laws or my in-laws that happen to be pretty conservative around some things and they just get with the program. And that, that feels like an accomplishment that we have that much sway. Mm-hmm. We have the grandkids and you know they want to see the grandkids. <laughs> they kind of have to like kind of limit some of the, the things that they would say or, or practices they would do and just be where the kids are and where we are. So I think I would say that's that's one major accomplishment that I feel like we've had and that we can be proud of. Also just like being able to have like Brianne be a chief operating officer of her family business and me being a gainfully employed psychologist in a private practice. So having two working parents and then raising two kids under five, just just doing it and, and, and knowing and believing that it's the right thing to do, you know, for us, we are so every time they walk in the door from a, a day, like we are so dead tired and out of fuel and we just sometimes just barely holding on by a thread but like it is what it is and we can feel happy that we at least showed up right <laughs> it's just a matter mm-hmm. again like it's good enough as winnicott would say just good enough mothering or good enough fathering is all that really your child requires they can look past all the other insignificant missteps and see the whole all those kind of micro experiences as as something much larger and feel really good about that and so we can feel good about that at the end of the day we're just modeling parenting and being a contributing member of society and being able to like be in these professions that help people out and bring people joy. And, and it's been really cool when I can't show up maybe for something that Brianne can show up for at, at daycare. And Brianne says to Rowan, daddy has to go help people, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and then, and then Rowan says, okay, daddy, you, you go, you go help people and I'll see you when you're done helping people. You know, it's like something like that. That makes me feel really good that as he grows up, he'll really get to understand kind of the work that I do and the power therein and what a kind of, you know, honorable profession it is and what honor I take when I work with these patients. He'll, he'll really, I think, understand. And when I think back of, oh, my mom did that for me. She was a social worker. I went over to her work and I saw the work that she was doing. I saw how she treated the janitor of her day center and then how she dealt with the boss of the day center like everyone was on the same level and she really kind of emboldened me to do similar work and be feel really good about that and so it's like these little lessons whether i realize or not are going to be taking place and um and i can feel proud of that the word that comes to my mind is role model like i hear you taking a lot of pride and yeah being a role model and a, and a positive role model for your children. And that's awesome. And you are that without a doubt. Uh, you know, I obviously know you and yeah, <laughs> yeah. what a cool thing for you to be proud of um, and, and kick ass at. 
You know, we're rounding the bend. I, I, you know, we're both therapists, so I work in like fifty-minute chunks. <laughs> so we're oh, we're at we're looks, at, unfortunately looks like we're we're running out of time yeah, for today. Yeah. We're gonna have to bookmark this. Um, but, <laughs> Signing off. <laughs> yeah, totally. I need a catchphrase, right? I'll just give you some open space. Is there anything about fatherhood that I didn't directly ask you about that you'd like to throw in the mix? Is there anything? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I, if anything, just by like spending this hour with you and, and kind of consolidating a lot of these thoughts that I have intermittently, but getting it down, getting it recorded and having you guide makes me think like, you're right, this type of dynamic needs replication and there's value. There's a lot of value in that, especially for fathering and dads trying to figure out how to do something differently, but having no model for that, just kind of making it up as we go, but not having to do it in isolation, which I often feel given kind of my circumstance. Yeah. Trying to kind of come around and yeah. Why do we have to recreate the wheel when, you know, someone across the country is doing something a little differently that we can learn from, but how to, how to kind of create that venue for this to happen for, for men, I think is a really, important question and an opportunity you know totally and even just i mean we're boys and yeah it's just nice even i'm not sure how many times like we've done this right, right? And, and and here we are like the the type of fathers we want to be and the type of men we're trying to be and, and we're not even doing still it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah yeah you know and so like what a what a joy even just for our relationship to get the yeah. chance to geek out on fatherhood and talk about and hear your stories of where you come alive and get to share my stories where i come alive and yeah i really uh it's i appreciate you doing the podcast, but I appreciate it too, just on a yeah, friend level, getting to bond with you and here. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for sharing it and, and being open. And I just, yeah, I, I super appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> with all the, all the cancellations, we were able to make it happen on Christmas Eve, no doubt, you know, it's like... <laughs> I'm in a house by myself on Christmas Eve talking about masculinity and childhood. I'm like, this is pretty cool. There you have it. As always, thank you to my guests this week. Thank you to my buddy Justin Reed for the music you hear. Thank you to Tobias for making me a father. And thank you, the listener. Share the joy by rating and reviewing this podcast or by sharing it with your friends and family. Tune in again for another great conversation. And check out JoyfulTherapy.com to see the other projects and services I offer. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye now.